Thanks for listening to Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. It has been said that history is really His story, the story of God showing His grace and mercy to the people He has created. That grace and mercy is on clear display in the Gospels as we see our Jesus living and dying for the sins of the world. But His story continues. The story of the early Christian church is his story as well. We are glad that you have chosen to read that story with us, as together we read chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. We'll review the stories of God's grace and mercy on his infant church, and celebrate that same grace and mercy that we know and experience today. We are glad to have you studying and growing with us. Here's the next episode of our podcast and the discussion of the next chapter of the book of Acts. So glad to have you joining us for another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on this series as we go through the book of Acts. I'm Pastor Brian Hockman, and I'm here uh, with my friend, Pastor Aaron Strong. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, and it's nice to be here with you today. Yeah, great to have you. Always always fun to be together. Always fun to um, get to spend some time in God's Word and, and sharing God's Word through to our tens of listeners. Our tens. <laughs> tens and tens. Tens and tens. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for being one of our tens of tens, if not dozens of dozens. We could be we could be optimistic. Yeah, dozens. I think we I think we could honestly move into the dozens category. There we go. We are thankful for all of our listeners, however many you are. Thank you. We may, we may not be experiencing the growth that the early church experienced, but yeah, no, someday, our podcast is not like, count like by Peter thousands. preached a sermon and like three thousand people. Like nobody's listened to our podcast, and all of a sudden we have three thousand new listeners. Yeah. Although if you share this, you know, with your friends and your family, then and maybe we then could encourage that. them to share it with that. that we could turn this into a pyramid scheme or and you, get to three thousand really quickly. Or you could just send us a note that says, "Hey, thanks for the podcast." <laughs> that, <laughs> we, I, I would take that. We'd also. add you to our dozens of dozens. Either, either one of those would make my day. <laughs> there you go. You know, we we do get comments from from folks once in a while, and uh, it's always appreciated to know that you're listening and and enjoying the podcast. That. We're not just talking in the empty air. We have one particular listener who calls um, the little funny things that we say, or um, like that's a story for a different day. He calls those Easter eggs, and he's uh, <laughs> he's like, I heard the Easter egg this time, and so funny. sometimes asks for more details, which is good. So <laughs> we like to reward our our faithful listeners. There you go. So that's... and this this is your Easter egg. You know who you are. This is your Easter egg that I'm actually talking about you on our podcast. So that's great. I can picture this person with a big smile on his face Good. as he's hearing these we words. We are bringing joy to at least one person today. <laughs> Pastor Strong, you got a chance to do some Lewis and Clark exploring uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, my son and I, along with uh, some friends of ours, went up to Sylvania Wilderness, uh, which is up in the UP, just over the Wisconsin-Michigan border, north of Eagle River. And uh, it is a chain of light lakes, very similar to like the Boundary Waters. And so we spent four days up there canoeing, camping, portaging, fishing, all that cool stuff. And uh, it was really a blast. We had nice weather. 
um, kind of cooler, but it was okay because the mosquitoes were out in droves. Um, so we had had nets on to keep the mosquitoes off our faces, and it was okay that it was cool because we wore long sleeves and pants the whole time to keep the bugs off us the rest of the way too. But um, we had a blast. Fishing was great. Um, we hit a ton of lakes. I mean, just to get to our first campsite, we tooled down a lake called Crooked Lake, which would open up to a big section and then channel down into this little channel and then a big section again, then channel down again. And and then we had to do por- two portages. And and one lake was just a short little canoe trip on it, but it was super windy. We almost capsized. <laughs> we had waves <laughs> splashing over into our canoe, soaking our gear. Uh, and then another portage till we got to our, our lake with our campsite on. But uh, we had a blast. It was really fun. And uh, my son Elijah is at an age where he could help actually paddle and do the fishing on his own and, and uh, just really enjoy it. So it was, it was pretty cool. Did you discover any new land? No, I don't did know you, that we discovered any new land. Did you post the strong family flag <laughs> on any islands up in no, there? No, no. <laughs> Although it was cool. I mean, you, there's very few people up there. You have to have a permit and uh, or at least a reservation on, on the limited sites that are, are there for camping. Um, so you don't see a lot of people up there. Um, and yeah, one day we, we camped out in two different spots um, over the time we were there. And, and one day we just we explored all the lakes which was nice without all the extra gear from your campsite. So I think we hit like five different lakes and just fished them and paddled and it was good. It was fun. That is something being, being out there by yourself out in nature. Yeah. And absolutely gorgeous. Just pretty. We had some really nice sunsets. Um, I I can't say I saw the sun rise, although this, when you're up further North and you get this from being in Alaska at this time of the year, the, the sun stays up a little bit later. So like 10 o'clock, it was still dusky. And, um, this man, the sun was coming up by four o'clock in the morning for sure. Just come peeking over the edges and stuff. So a little more light, always tough to sleep in a tent, uh, on the ground, but we survived and had a good time. Very cool. Highly recommend it. Glad you uh, made it back. Yeah. Well, you know, we read <laughs> our maps the right way. Um, I had a compass just in case, <laughs> but, uh, no, we were, you know, they, they talk about all the things you could run into, right? Um, they're potential bears. I mean, we recently just heard in the news, like a bear in Oconomowoc or yes, in, like Hartford, <laughs> like floating around down here. So, I mean, we're There's up a little in, guy. That was a cute one. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a, we're in a part of the, the country where there is potential for bears and whatever else, but, um, didn't run into anything. And like, we've done camping around here in some of the state parks and like raccoons are just a pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, you gotta hang your stuff and whatever else. Um, the raccoons aren't going to take, uh, four canoe rides to get to no to get to your but campsite. still you're in so you're out in the hassle. woods right <laughs> so um you know a couple of our group had like these big bear bins these big plastic bins that you could stick your food in there and there um i was cheaper so i just used a dry bag that i hung in a tree and uh, nothing got at anything i mean we even had just a bag of trash just thrown our trash and that we just left a little ways from camp on the ground thinking if something tears into it, fine, not a big deal. We're not losing anything. Well, nothing even bothered it. So, like, if you would have done that in a campground around here, raccoons would have been on that in, like, 10 seconds. <laughs> but I, we kind of we kind of guessed at the end that uh, there aren't enough people up there leaving stuff around, especially that raccoons even right. care. They, they would gravitate to where they can right. get at. But, yeah, didn't which see, is why there's 10,000 of them around. The right, that's why they all live down yeah. here. Um <laughs> Didn't see any bears, saw a few deer, an otter, caught some fun fish. So it was good. Nice little trip. Awesome. It was nice to unplug too. 
Like we got very limited service. If I wanted to, I could have my phone on, but I actually just turned it off for most of the time and saved it up for emergencies if needed. Took lots of pictures, but it was just nice to unplug. And so if somebody emailed me over that time and I didn't get back to them, I'm sorry, but I was on, I was out of the, out of the, the connection and it was all right. So yeah, it was fun. Awesome. Glad that you were able to get away and able to do that. Absolutely. So you posted a picture of uh, filleting some fish. Yeah. On a on the back of, on a, the canoe, back of a canoe, which I thought was pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> like that looks like fun. Yeah, it was fun. We had we we had about a couple dozen fish one night and uh, fried them all up. It was it was good. It was real good. So that was fun. We enjoyed it. Good to be back home though in my own bed. And and I feel like I still hear the buzzing of mosquitoes. Around <laughs> yeah, me. what is that? If I start swatting at things, <laughs> awesome. Well, we are here to chat about chapter six of the Book of Acts, uh, a shorter chapter. So we'll see if that turns into a shorter podcast or not. Um, but the choosing of the seven. So as the we we've talked in previous episodes and and in previous chapters about how God is blessing the efforts of the gospel as it's pro- being proclaimed and uh, the church is experiencing numerical growth. Um, and with that numerical growth comes the practical problem of how do we divide duties? How do we maintain outreach and continue to serve the people who are now gathered as as members of the church um, and also get all of the things, all of the practical things done? And so it became clear that uh, just relying on the apostles to do all of this work was was not a practical thing. It was actually starting to hinder and hamper um, their ability to to do be the trained theologian preachers that um, that they were. So they devised this plan to um, appoint seven elders um, to be able to take the tasks um, that the apostles wouldn't need to do then free them up to be able to do the gospel ministry, the preaching, proclaiming. Um, and then they can rely on these these men who have, have these gifts of the Spirit and had the respect among them. This wasn't a random draw of anyone, but it was uh, people who had some standing and, and the respect of the people in the church. And um, they were given the, the responsibilities or given the permission to offload some of those responsibilities from the apostles. Yeah, I think just the the issue is just kind of interesting, too. You have the Hellenistic Jews are complaining because the Hebraic Jews, widows, are being overlooked. Or the the Hellenistic Jews, are are their widows are being overlooked in the distribution of, of food. So you have these two groups. You have the Hellenistic Jews. These are the ones that are more Greek-leaning and, and familiar with the Greek language and culture and that right. stuff. Would be converts to... Right. Um, Probably much Jewish more converts. Religion. And then you have the Hebraic Jews who are, you know, more wrapped up in the custom and the tradition and, and are speaking the Aramaic or Hebrew, um, whatever language uh, there. But you just, you, you see this, some of the challenges as this church is growing and you have these different cultures kind of coming together. And it was probably not necessarily malicious by any means, but just a natural thing like, well, we know these this group of people better and we speak the language. So no, we're not trying to ignore, but maybe it was just overlooked in that way too. And the disciples recognized that um, and did a, a really great thing of saying, hey, we need to, as the disciples and the witnesses of Jesus and, and, and tasked with proclaiming the gospel, we need to be focusing on proclaiming the gospel. And, and as you mentioned, identify some leaders who can help with the day-to-day work. And I think that's something that we still need to recognize today, especially in, uh, in a large church like we have here at Grace. Um, 
to to have leaders and and members of our congregation in our midst who are willing to help out with the work of the church so that we as as pastors can focus more on on what we've been called to do and that's proclaim the gospel um to teach and to preach um and to share that that good news with with our own members and and with those in our community so it's stuff like um, helping run Sunday school, um, helping out with the day-to-day things here at church, events and that kind of stuff that we're always leaning on more people to help out with so that we don't have to be bogged down with that stuff and we can be the ones proclaiming the word too. Yeah, it's interesting that they uh, appoint people who have Greek names. So presumably these are uh, are maybe people that are focused towards, it's the Hellenistic Jews who have this issue, um, the Greek Jews, and so they appoint people presumably from from among that group, um, so that they the apostles obviously have this leaning towards towards the um, Hebraic Jews and understand those cultures and customs, and so let's appoint some people who are familiar with this side that is getting unintentionally overlooked. Um, so you can see some practicality and wisdom in that too, right. um, that now this other contingent, this other group, um, has a voice at the table, a seat at the table and has a voice in decisions that are being made and as services is being coordinated and handed out. And God bless the, those efforts. God bless that plan and uh, the church continue to grow. I think it's, it's interesting to note in verse, uh, well, verses at seven that, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith as well. I think yeah. that's just kind of a cool thing. So it's the priests, it's, it's some of the religious leaders of of Israel that are hearing the gospel now and and following Christ too. And I think that's just a that's a cool thing um, that we don't want to overlook. Yeah, it's taking hold in um, some of these groups that maybe were resistant or hesitant to um, acknowledge. Christ and the fulfillment of of the Old Testament scriptures and but now the Holy Spirit is working through that as well. And and you see that this kind of reminds me a bit of the way that the disciples react when um when Jesus calls them and um there's a bit of a could this really be like this is what our whole lives have been looking forward to and we we just assumed we'd always be looking forward to but now now he's here really. Um, you see some of that hesitancy in, in those initial stories, and I'm sure that the priests struggled with that as well. My whole life has been um, going through the Sabbath day and all of the Mosaic law and everything. I mean, that's what it is. And now, now we've got Jesus. Now we're saying that those things are fulfilled. Uh, it must have been tough. But um, to, to see this, that the gospel is breaking through even to um, even through those excuses and those people who are hesitant. Um, a testimony to the power of the gospel. Absolutely. Well, out of the seven men that they chose to help with the day-to-day stuff, there are two of them that we actually hear more about in in the rest of the book of Acts. Um, one is Stephen and one is Philip. Uh, we'll hear about Philip later on, but the next uh, section dives right into um, the account of Stephen. So let's jump into Stephen a little bit here. Yeah, in two different places, both in the list and then in uh, verse 8 here. Uh, we're we're given some testimony about his character and his spiritual life. So Stephen, a man, or Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Um, he's the chief on the list and uh, is the only one that we're given 
those you know spiritual gifts as characteristic of who this man is and then later on says again Stephen uh, a man full of God's grace and power was able to perform wonders and signs among the people um, so you've got this um, he's receiving these gifts and and uh, certainly as a person who was held in high regard and and um, who God privileged to be able to have uh, the, the, that miraculous power that the apostles had as well. I should ask, uh, I've heard it, I, I hear his name pronounced in different ways. Stephen I usually Stephen? I usually stay, say Stephen. Stephen? I'm not sure we why. We can go with Stephen. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's it's all the same, I suppose, at the end. we'd have to. I don't know what the Greek is for that. I don't have my Greek in front of me, but anyways... I just always find that that interesting how people pronounce it. I corrected myself for I noticed you did. That's why I wanted. That's sake. why I wanted to ask. So I set the precedence apparently for this one. We'll go with Stephen. Whoever whoever says the name first, they get the pronunciation, <laughs> and everyone else has to fall in line. Uh, I the other comment I was going to make, and this is more serious, uh, is is the the fact that even though I think it's interesting, even though Stephen was was chosen to kind of do more of the day to day stuff of the church. He was still finding a lot of opportunity to proclaim the gospel yeah. uh, throughout that too, uh, and I don't think we're going to overlook that too. That yeah, he was he was more involved with the distribution of the food, uh, the the helping the support of the believers, and uh, what they needed. But he was still um, a preacher of the gospel, and, right. and God worked in powerful ways through him. It does make me wonder if if there was a bit of a what would hyperbole be the right word in. Um, the statement that comes earlier that's uh, the apostles say we can't be pulled away to wait on tables. Um, is that a bit of an overstatement as to what these seven men were being called to do? They, this was more than just fellowship directors or make sure that the meals get, get distributed clearly. Um, Stephen here has got the power of the Holy Spirit. He's a man that's full of the Holy Spirit. You alluded to the fact that Philip is on this list and he's in a, a foreign land preaching the gospel in a few chapters. So this is more than just waiters. Here's an apron. Let's make sure lunch gets served right. um, clearly. Um, and we can see that playing out in a few of the examples and have no reason to believe otherwise for the other five men on the list. Well, it just makes well. me think of, of all the man. And I've been blessed to, to come in into contact and to know a lot of just really faithful lay people um, who have been either on, on like a church council or have helped in, in leadership roles or just own different types of ministry who were so faithful in, in, in their love for Jesus too. And it wasn't just that they were good at um, you know balancing a checkbook or serving a meal or organizing an event, but they also had such a heart for Jesus that it just showed not just in their actions, but in the way they spoke. Right. And and I imagine you know Stephen being just like that. Right. And, and I, it's cool to still see that today, people's love for Jesus and the way that they serve him and, and talk about him and it's not uncommon that um that passion and heart for jesus is then going to flow into proclamation looking right. for opportunities to share to share that that all flows from the same heart of faith right the desire to serve the desire the the willingness to embrace whatever where is the need i can fill it yep. um and and then also i'm going to look for opportunities to invite my neighbor and and share the gospel with my friends exactly um, well, Stephen's proclaiming the gospel, as as we see recurring often in the book of Acts in the early Christian church, stirred up opposition and, uh, and people arguing with him and even wanting to, to put him to death. And that's kind of what we see going on here. Um, you have a, a group of 
of Jewish believers who are opposing Stephen and trying to persuade them, lying against Stephen, saying he's he's speaking blasphemy against the Lord and, and seeking to stir up the people and putting him to death. And this is just kind of the setting the stage for what's going to follow in the next chapter. Uh, but they they put him on trial and bring these false charges against him and are, are ready to put him to death when uh, Stephen in chapter 7 is going to proclaim, I think, one of the better sermons and overviews of the Old Testament that we have in the Bible. Yeah. We just started a, a Bible class on Hebrews chapter 11, which is kind of methodically walking through the Old Testament with the heroes of faith. Um, here you have Stephen is making this powerful defense through Old Testament history and showing how this is these aren't isolated events, but this is a part of an actual narrative that God has written and prescribed and then fulfilled in Jesus. Um, so you can see the the care that Stephen has here um, to be able to um, want people to to get it and understand. He's not just trying to save his skin. He's not um, he didn't find the loophole and here's what we're gonna ride to a um, an acquittal. No, he's taking advantage of the opportunity he has to piece this together for for the people who are listening and to show Old Testament history, Old Testament promises then fulfilled in Christ. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, certainly that that next chapter is a is a cool one to look at. So that's that's your that's your little uh, your poll, teaser. your that little teaser, the right? Your carrot. <laughs> Come back and listen to the next episode. Uh, it really is. I like I said, I think it's one of the best summaries of the Old Testament that that we have in the Bible. Um, and obviously, Stephen is using it to to show the error of the their ways and to point people to Jesus. I find it ironic or, or interesting, maybe is a better word, that the accusation that they bring against Stephen is is the same accusation that they brought against Jesus. Right. The whole thing where he talked about uh, destroying the temple and raising it up in three days. Um, I, I just find that interesting. We had that that reference, that verse where they uh, rejoiced because they were together with Jesus in the sufferings. Um, here's a pretty pointed and specific way. I wonder if that put a little smirk on, on Stephen's face that... The only thing that they got Jesus on is what they think they've got me on too, but right. how foolish they are. Um, that same Jesus who died and, and lives again, and I know that no matter what they do to me, even if they take my life, um, I'll live again too. I just find it interesting that that they're still, that that's the, this Jesus who's dead and gone, and we know now risen and ascended, um, but they're still concerned about this three-day temple raising it up again these blaspheme the temple is 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 the charge against stephen um just kind of interesting same group of of leaders same charge um and, and and the same thing again they don't have a real a real charge they didn't have a real charge against jesus and had to drum it up right uh don't have a real charge against stephen either um drum this one up and they end up uh with the same silly thing I think you're starting to see the heart, though, really the heart of what was important to them spiritually, too. And and the fact that they keep coming back to the temple, like we can't, well, he's he's talking about destroying the temple. We got to put him to death. Yeah. Um, or the law, right? He's he's saying something counter than, than the law. And so so much of their their spiritual way of, of getting right with God was through the things they did and the ceremonies that they performed at the temple, which... W- in their defense, was part of what God set before them. 
but not for for their way of of getting to heaven, but instead pointing to Jesus as the fulfillment. But they they twisted that into this is our way to get to heaven. We right. need the temple. We need the law. Otherwise, we're not. No, Jesus came to fulfill the law and to to be the temple for us, and the, the dwelling place of God among us. And uh, and they just they, they got so wrapped up in this other view. So when they hear something contrary, that's uh, I think why they keep bringing this up. Yeah, I think there's a part. I agree. I, I think there's a part of it too that we've got this selfishness, we've got this jealousy, but we can't, that can't be the charge. We right, can't say, right. we're jealous that you're stealing my power. <laughs> right. So, what do we have to do? We have to come up with something that will be meaningful to a larger group. What can we get people on board with? The law sure. of Moses yeah. or the temple. The people are passionate about the temple. So, let's just say that he said something bad about the temple. Uh, it seems like as we're making up charges, we've got to make up charges against something that's going to stick or something that's going to be meaningful against the people. So um, I think there's some of that too. We're covering our own hides by falsely accusing um, this man of, of something that the people actually give a rip about. Right. Um, and so the temple is something that would would meet that qualification. Exactly. Yeah. No, like you mentioned, it's just interesting to see the similarities between um, the accusations that are being thrown against Stephen as, as it was to Jesus. Um, it's the same heart. And, and yet uh, God's going God's gonna to work in a powerful way through, through Stephen here too, as we will see in the next couple chapters. He had a chance to see his faith and, and his willingness to um, not back down. He's just going to continue proclaiming and see what happens, whatever cross this might be, whether this is suffering, whether this is is imprisonment or maybe even death um he can't help but speaking what he's seen and heard he's going to defend the truth and and uh, take every opportunity until there are no more to proclaim the gospel of jesus jesus loved him um and that meant he was going to live his life and maybe even give his life um for that jesus who was willing to do the same for him and so we can have that same comfort we can have that same confidence um, as we seek to live our lives for him, because we know that the truths of the gospel um, are just that. They are most, most certainly, certainly true. Thanks for listening. We'd love to share more about God's love with you. Check us out at www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, our pastor's contact info, and a lot of information about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.